thinking about service this week, and one thing that I was just really feeling before this weekend was, you know, a lot of the time we can come to church and we can feel shame or we can feel this conviction, and it almost holds us back from entering into the presence of God. Has anybody ever felt that way? It's like you enter into a worship service and you're like, man, I don't even really feel worthy to pursue Him. Well, this morning, I want to encourage you, man, that there was a man who hung on a tree 2,000 years ago, and he paid for your shame. He paid for your sin. He paid for everything that we've ever done or ever will do. And I want to tell you that he deserves our worship this morning. How many people believe that this morning? Amen. So just keep that in mind as we worship. We're not here just singing songs, but we're in here to engage a living God. Amen. Amen. At your name, the mountains shake and crumble. Your name, the oceans roar and tumble. At your name. Angels will rise. 
this morning. Lord, we love you. We lift you up, God.
that you're a faithful God, a God that loves us, a God that sees us. God, we thank you that even though we mess up sometimes, your arms are always open, God. We bless you this morning. We love you today. You know, as I was praying about the service, Psalms 55, 22 is all I could think about. And here's what the Bible declares. It says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip into fall. Listen, I know with the world that we live in, how many people know there's a lot of anxiety? There can be a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty. You just turn on the, the news or listen to the radio, and there's crazy things that happen every single day. And it's easy to lose our faith. It's easy to lose our trust. Maybe you're in here and you have some family problems going on or you have some work situations that are causing fear and anxiety. I want you to know that scripture says that we can cast all of our anxiety, all of our fear on the Lord. And the Bible says that he will take care of us. Amen. Listen, our prayer team is coming up. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. But particularly, you have some anxiety, you have some fear about the future. We want to agree with you. And we want you to know that God is here and God cares. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Over 
if you We're believe that. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. This is our city. We live here, we work here, our children grow up here. It's a part of us, a piece of who we are. Half Texas, half Arkansas, one city. We 
love Texarkana, but sometimes we wonder, is Texarkana too far gone? Can anything be done to help change our city? No, not by might, not by power, but only by the Spirit of the Lord. July 18th through the 24th is Bless Our City Week, an entire week of active impact to bless Texarkana, reaching out to the elderly, the homeless, police officers, firefighters, and the entire community. Pick up a flyer to see how you can individually be a blessing every day of the week and what COTR will be doing corporately that you can join with it all leading up to our community-wide Bless Our City rally in Spring Lake Park on Friday the 22nd. Join us as we bless our city. Well, amen. On the count of three, let's say God bless our city. One, two, three. God bless our city. Amen. And we got a whole week of that. If you don't have one of these cards, be sure to get one. Matter of fact, if you hold up your hands, uh, there's a good chance the ushers might get you one. Otherwise, pick one up on the way out. Go to Facebook, go to our website, and you can find out about all that's going on. It starts off tonight with corporate prayer. It's from 6 to 7, and I'm telling you, that's the way you start. You start in prayer, and then we're going to watch what God does the rest of this week. And be sure to get your hands on one of these cards and check out the blue side. We have seven days of individual challenges just to challenge you personally with your walk with God. Just in town to be a blessing, to serve, and to shine the love of Christ in our city. Amen. Because we need it. Uh, so even alongside with that, if you're taking uh, or you're being a part of any of our events, or maybe you've taken a picture, a snapshot of you blessing someone, and you want to post it on social media, be sure to use our hashtag BlessOurCityTXK. And if you don't know what a hashtag is, look to your left, look to your right, find someone a little bit younger than you and ask them and they'll fill you in, okay? Amen. Hey, we have two, we have three real big events, but Tuesday and Thursday are the block parties. Uh, Tuesday's in Texas and uh, Thursday's in Arkansas. It's going to take a lot of help to do this. It's going to be a carnival atmosphere. It'll be like our Jesus Fest. We'll have six or seven games, so we need you to sign up so we can run those games. I don't want two and 300 people to show up, and I got five people, you know, trying to help. So I know you'll show up and just be a part of it. Uh, that's Tuesday and Thursday. And then, of course, we've got our great big one Friday in the park. And that's one everybody just needs to come out to be a part of it, to show support. I mean, we're going to have our firemen and policemen out there. Their trucks will be out there. And we'll have some testimonies. We'll have some prayer over our city and some worship. So uh, Friday night would be a big rally. But be sure to, you know, sign up in the foyer if you want to help in any way and leave a phone number there. Yeah, and also we want to let you know we have a big event going on Wednesday as well. We're not going to be meeting here in the sanctuary for our normal service. We're actually going to take our congregation have a night of worship downtown at the uh, post office, the courthouse, right on State Line, because we want to take the church outside of these four walls. So uh, this Wednesday night, uh, don't meet here. Go downtown to uh, State Line. You can also uh, be sure to drop your kids off. We're going to have kids on and nurseries available for child care. So you can drop them off, go downtown and worship with us. We're going to be bringing our youth down there, and we're just believing for a powerful night. Amen. Amen. How many believe this week could have been just a God idea? The timing of it, I mean, how did we know what would be going on right now? And God orchestrated this. And I'm just glad we had a staff that were just kind of willing to hear and, and kind of step out there a couple months early. And you kind of wonder what God wants to do in our city. And if we wouldn't have said yes, he'd had to find somebody else. And so this week, we all have individual things to do. So look for an opportunity just to be a blessing. And I'm telling you, watch what God does. Because God wants to bless this city, doesn't he? Amen.
Yeah, and just another note, too. The last several weeks, we've been reminding you about these red cards. If you're not receiving emails or texts from us just with information about our services and events that are going on, especially with Bless Our City Week coming up this next week, and you want to get some of that information, be sure to grab this out of the seat back in front of you, fill it out, drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. We'll get you added to that so we can keep you updated. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. You know, in Hebrews 10, 23... It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Is God faithful? I mean, he is faithful. You can take it to the bank. Whatever he says, he will do and he can do. And, when it, and God loves to bless faithful people. He just, when you're faithful, he will bless you in whatever it is. But faithfulness is a little hard to measure. Maybe it's in your thought life. It can go here and there, your character. You know, just how do you exactly measure it? But finances are something can be measured very easily. Because God says, if you'll trust me with 10%, and that 10%, whether you make $100 or a million dollars, it's 10%. And it's really easy to figure out. And how many believe God keeps track? He's into numbers. He wrote a whole book about numbers. He knows the lady who put two pennies in. And so he does keep track. And not that he's looking over you, but I'm telling you, if you're faithful, God will be faithful to do what? Open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. He'll be faithful to rebuke the devourer when he comes to steal from you. He'll be faithful to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. And so, you know, as you give today, and if you would like to give toward Bless Our City, uh, it'll probably take about 5000 to do this right. And we already have stepped out, you know, to bless the policeman. As a matter of fact, on the screen back here, we took all the packets down to the policeman, Texas policeman, and the Arkansas policeman, and the, and the fire departments, and we gave them packets. So Tuesday, they're going to have a free meal on you and us. And uh, they also have a, what we call a shield of faith, which is a little dog tag or a little coin they can put in their pocket with the scripture on the back of it. And they were so appreciative, and they say, continue to pray for us. And they were just really blessed by it. So God bless you as you give.
Well, how many believe that every good thing in life does come from God? I mean things we take for granted, the air we breathe, the food we eat, come on, that we've got a job, that our eyes work and our ears can hear and our heart beats, that we were kept last night from someone of violence breaking in our home, come on, that we're not in the hospital. How I many you know there's a lot of things that may not just be perfect, but God is still good. Come on, give him a big hand today. He is worthy of our praise. Tell your neighbor, you look marvelous today. I'm glad you're here. Well, turn your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 5. We've been doing a series as of late uh, called The Final Chapter or Living in the Last Days. But I feel to interrupt that series this morning and talk about the racial conflict in America today. You may not be aware, but at 10 o'clock this morning, three police officers were killed in Baton Rouge. Don't know any details, but uh, uh, how many know our, our nation is troubled? I look to the Bible not only for comfort when someone dies, I look for the Bible for direction for daily life. I look to the Bible to how to raise my children, how to treat my wife, what to do with my finances. I look to the Bible for promises of eternity, but I look for the Bible for directions in everyday life. And uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaks into what I think is this current crisis in America. And Jesus said that you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and... Yeah, see when I do this, I want you to talk back to me. Let's try again. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, when Jesus said, you've heard it was said, he's talking about the Pharisees. They were one of the religious groups that were there. We might call them like a denomination today. They were very pivotal in preserving the Scripture from Malachi to Matthew, those several hundred years of silence. But yet they had drifted away from the integrity or truth of Scripture. And basically they said, listen, love your friends and neighbors, but it's okay to hate Israel's enemies. And in the midst of that, Jesus is saying, no, I want you to love your enemies and people that are different from you because when you do that, you're acting like your heavenly Father. You love them because God loves them. We all know there, there are voices of stirring racial strife and hatred in America today. I, I want to be a different voice this morning. I want to be a voice of unity. I want to be a voice today calling people to treat one another as individuals created in the image of God. And uh, I want to begin with a little video clip from, from Dallas. And it'll kind of touch some of the emotion of what happened several weeks ago uh, after several police officers were shot. I think you'll, uh, you'll find uh, a range of emotions as we watch it. So take a peek, and then we're going we're gonna to talk some more. I can't just sit back and, and feel this way without trying to change it. Black 
It's time for us to stop this today. No more walls. Today, we're going to show the rest of the country how we came together. Everybody get it in here, man. Everybody get it in. Everybody get it in. Everybody, everybody get it in. Everybody get it in. I thank you so much, as I am so humble, that you allowed us to come home from show. And that today, I pray again, thank you so much, and pray that everybody makes it. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's a little better than what goes on in the world, isn't it? You know, two groups of people, each Americans, a group of black individuals walking down the street in lawful protest, a group of white individuals, I don't know what they were doing there, but they had their flags, good old boys. But yet somebody broke through the crowd, extended their hand, come on, and say we're human beings created in the image of God. Somebody said, let's gather together and let's pray. Somebody led in the right direction and people followed. And I want to suggest to you that as Christians in America, we have the capability, we have the ability to influence our culture today, particularly as it pertains to race. I want to talk about that issue this morning, and I want to go look in the Bible together and answer a very simple question. What can we as Christians do to help the racial turmoil in America? Again, what can we do? People living in Texarkana, Arkansas, and Texas, what can we do to help heal what's going on racially in America? I'm going to suggest there's five biblical principles. Number one is I want to define myself by my faith, not my race. Secondly, I, I want to be a force for good. It's probably the most important point of the message. I'm going to talk to you about respecting civil authority, about what the Bible teaches about respect for those that are in political offices and those that are in law enforcement. I, I want to talk to you about rejecting hatred and revenge as a motivation for the solution. And lastly, I want to talk to you about the example our local church provides as a multiracial church in our city. But let's begin with uh, the first one. We define ourselves by our faith and not our race. Now, in America today, the word racism is thrown aside just so cavalierly. It's like everything is racist. You know, if you go to, you know, if you're a club at a college, true story, and you have Mexican Day and you're going to have tacos and, and rice and you, you advertise with a sombrero, you're a racist. You know, uh, it just is almost insane. If you dress differently, you're a racist. If you don't like, you know, someone of a particular actor, it's because you're a racist. If you don't like our president, you're a racist. Blah, 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 blah. It's just everywhere. Racism, by definition, though, is a simple belief that the color of our skin makes us superior to another person. That you're better than me because of your skin color or vice versa. Now, there's another term that has brought this into the national light. It's called identity politics. And identity politics is any political activity that's catering to a group of people. Their wants or their needs, legitimate or illegitimate. And in identity politics, we are used in one group against another group to accomplish some means. I, I wish those that are, were in leadership of our nation were all altruistic with good hearts, but th there seems to always be a motive behind it. We just, it's hard to find trust in America today. And, and, and I want to illustrate what I'm talking about today with, with some boxes. And I want to suggest to you that our culture puts us in boxes. If I were to say, how many are in this box, the Black Lives Matter box? 
That box came to America shortly after the riots in Ferguson or the, the killing in Ferguson. And they took on a nature of their own. The Black Lives Matter movement, by its definition, says we are for racial justice for the African-American people, particularly as it relates to policemen that we perceive to be racist in their actions. Well, when that came up, boy, there was another one that came up here pretty quick. It said, all lives matter. Now, I was going to do a little radio spot at one time uh, when the Black Lives Matter started because, listen, I believe we're all created in the image of God, and my first little simple, naive interpretation was, well, let's just tell people that everybody's important. And all my staff said, you can't do that. And I said, why not? Because people that are for black matter will think that you as a white person aren't for them, and you'll be against them, and, and you're just kind of butting heads there. And, and, and that's not, that's not going to work because that's going to take away from what they're trying to do. And, and, and then, well, I think it's on a college campus, somebody came up with white lives matter. Well, you certainly can't have white lives matter when black lives matter next to each other because, after all, you know, you, you have white privilege. And, and after all, there was slavery in America. And after all, oh, 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 You can't have those two together. And there was a brown lives matter at one time, I guess for Hispanics, and, and that, you know, that didn't, didn't, didn't last very long. And then this one came up. Blue lives matter. Shortly after the Dallas shooting, you started seeing it more. And, of course, if you believe blue lives matter, you can't believe black lives matter. And, 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 and I think it was the uh, uh, lieutenant governor of Texas asked our president to turn the White House blue. And he said, well, I can't do that because I know we had, we had gay lives matter and we had the White House, the rainbow. And, and, but, but, but this is different because... I got another box that I want to be in. Amen. Before I'm white or black, what else are we? Before, all, before I'm blue, I'm a Jesus person. And the starting place for my life is not the fact that I'm a white man, that I'm a heterosexual, and that I'm married, and I drive a truck, and I eat meat, and I'm not a vegetarian, what else am I? And I like to hunt. All these boxes that the media put me, puts me in, all these boxes that society and culture, a marketer, marketers put me in to target me, before I'm any of that stuff, I'm a Christian, which means I follow Jesus Christ, come on, and I try to treat people the way God said that I'm to treat people. And that's my beginning place. I've got one more, too, and, and I didn't address this one last night, but I, I got a threat that I perceived as a threat. It was, it was a picture that I was sent, a text message. And I want you to put it on the screen because this one is called Dogs Matter. You're not seeing this the way I am. These dogs threaten me. They're going to come dig up my yard if I don't give them their proper recognition. They're going to chew up everything in my yard that's not tied down, and they're going to chew up my lawn furniture, and they're going to tell their friends not to pick up another duck for me. So I'm going to recognize the validity of dogs matter too in this whole, <laughs> this whole silly thing. All right, that's a joke. It's the only joke I had. Some of you wouldn't laugh at anything. Um, I have a new identity as a Christian. Now, I want you to stay with me today. We live in a nation that has a troubled racial past. You can go back to the American Indians. You can go back to Europe. You can, go back, you, uh, you, you can, you can live there if you want to. 
You can decide today how I'm going to treat people irrespective of what's happened in the past. The cross is the great equalizer. We don't worship a white Jesus or a black Jesus. We know Jesus had olive skin anyway. We worship Jesus. And as a Christian, I have a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The life when I used to use the N-word or used to call people crackers or, 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 or the life when I used to be violent, the life when I used to carry a knife and was willing to use it and, and would use a gun if you said the wrong. The old life is gone. The jokes that I used to tell about people, the, the times I used to laugh at people who were not in my clique. The old me, listen, it should be gone and dead and buried. How I many know that's the sinful me? But as a Christian, I belong to the family of God. As a Christian, I belong a part of the kingdom of God. And that's my starting place. Because in case you didn't realize this, we're all related. What's he talking about now? Acts 17, the Bible, glad you asked. God began by making one person, Adam... And from him, Adam, came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. Which means every human being is created in the image of God because we all share the blood of Adam. We may be different in outward appearance, different in experience, but we are the same in the eyes of God. Come on, look at your neighbor and says, I'm coming to your house for dinner today and glad to be in the family. <laughs> but I'm related to you. You remember what the Pharisees said? Jesus said, you've heard the Pharisees say it's okay to hate your enemies. And I'm telling you, when we hate, when we hurt, when we do violence, we're doing violence to a family member. We're all different, but we're all related together. That's why as a Christian, I can be colorblind and should be. Galatians 3 tells me this. In Galatians 3.26, he's speaking to the believer, you are all children of God. You're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I suggest to you those words are the great distinctions in modern society. It is the gender definition. There was the slave and the free. There were two classes of people. Uh, the Jew or the Gentile is in different types of religion. Listen, everything can be found there. It must be brought to the foot of the cross and there's, listen, though 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. And listen, I understand that. I want to be with people like me. I want to be with people I like, normal people that like to turkey hunt and duck hunt. I would love to just spend all my time with them. No. It's natural to be with people like you, but it is unchristian, come on, to hate people who are different from us. You say, well, you don't know what they did. Their sins and your sins and mine were nailed to the cross. And Jesus said we're to forgive people in the same way we've been forgiven because if we don't forgive them, God won't forgive us. And I suggest to you, that's the starting place. The starting place for what I feel today and how I respond to the crisis in America is not the movie Mississippi Burning. It's not roots. It's not just go down the list, whatever they may be. 
We live in, 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 in a nation today that it is so sensitive that it makes us, even as a church, think about on the picture we just printed, are there enough black people, white people, green people, blue people, uh, brown people? Do we have enough people of this color at the door, or this people on the stage? Or wow. We live in a world today, come on now, that, 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 that has forced upon us things like affirmative action and quotas and all that. Listen, my love is not based on a quota. My embrace of a person is based on the fact they're created in the image of God. Whether they look just like me or whether they're totally different from me. Come on. Whether they have their full motorcycle colors and all their tattoos and bands and all that. Listen, there's a, there's a common bond in Christ that should transcend these differences. All right, stay with me. The next, the next thing that we can do as a Christian to help this racial crisis is to be a force for good. Now, I think this one is probably the most important point of my day. Acts 10, 38, Peter now is preaching, and he said, You know about Jesus from Nazareth, that God gave him the Holy Spirit and power, and you know how Jesus went everywhere doing good, the rest of that verse says, and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And, and that's where, you know, typically spirit-filled type people uh, uh, look at that last part. But I want to suggest to you, the first thing Peter said is Jesus went around helping people. He went around doing good. And by definition, to do good means to be kind and helpful instead of being mean and hurting. To be kind instead of being vindictive. You know, rather than being the enforcer, being the one that brings the candy and the drinks. Are, are, are you with me today? Jesus was, was good. Romans 12, 21 says, don't be overcome by evil. Because all of us are tempted to follow the crowd. All of us are tempted to laugh at the racial joke. We're tempted to make the racial joke. We're tempted to, to applaud when something happens. There were people in the Dallas, after that Dallas massacre, that were shouting and dancing, just like the Muslims when, when a bombing happened somewhere around the world. You know, at some Christians must be different. Romans 12, 21 says, don't be overcome by this, but we overcome evil with good. I can overcome evil by being kind and helpful. Let me show you a picture of what I mean by this. This is a picture of a policeman. Uh, he, somehow he was, call, he was made the call because this woman was stealing eggs. And, and, and I guess he got to the house, found out that uh, she was stealing to, to feed her kids. Didn't have food. Now, listen, how many know stealing is the wrong thing to do? But when you're hungry, how many know you'll, you'll probably do most anything in life? And, and rather than just throwing her in the paddy wagon and, and hauling her to jail, the policeman went out, true story, you can see in the bottom left there, and, and got bags of groceries and brought to her house. It's how you overcome evil. By, it's hard to argue with that. It's hard to call you a racist pig, come on now, when you're doing good in your life. Um, put the other the picture, what we're going to do this week, the bless our city. Again, I'm talking about a force for good. Now, again, I'm very appreciative of Pastor Mike. He directs our outreaches, and he had this idea a number of weeks ago before the crisis in America blew up on us here. So I must believe this is God. I must believe this can be like, you know, it, it, they don't have these very often. But you remember the diving boards in a good swimming pool? How you could just go on the pom pom and it would just throw you up in the air. I believe this week can be the beginning of something transformational in our city. 
I'm not going to go over all this, but listen, you get it on your phone, your webpage, or, or pick up one in the lobby. But, but Tuesday and Thursday nights, we're going to a Texas and Arkansas apartment. We're going to bless people, but we're going to preach the gospel. Every, Monday or Tuesday, we're feeding a meal to all the policemen and firemen in the city at Chicken Express. Uh, all week long, we're working on this fourplex where I told you someone donated a fourplex to our church so that we could have a, a, a place for homeless or nearly homeless mothers with children, single moms, to help them. People are doing that. They're doing Furnished by Faith. Friday, the big rally in the park. Now, that's where we all can be a part of. But I'm, I think, more excited about this thing on the left here. This is what we would encourage you to try to do every day. Uh, for example, on, on Monday that you prayerfully choose someone to bless by either paying for their meal, giving them a gift card, giving them some cash, doing just something to be kind to somebody. I have lately been trying to practice. Every time I go to the bank, you know, when I make my deposit, I get my cash. I try to take a little cash and just keep it in my pocket. could be a 5, 10, maybe a 20, but just keep it there until I feel the Lord wants me to just help bless somebody. Whether it's a bigger tip or whether it's someone that's poor or whether it just puts a smile on a kid's face, because here's what I find. If I'm not deliberate about that, I'll never have enough money to be kind to people. Because I always want more. And I never have enough for what I want. So how could I help you? Come on now, you're preaching. You're, you're, you're like a bunch of cows staring at a new gate. Uh, does anybody know what that is? See, we're acting all holy this morning, like this applies to everybody but me, but I bet you every person in this room has picked a football or a basketball team based on the number of white or black people on the team. When I showed that video a little earlier, I bet you some people, you got a little knot there. Some of you said, oh boy, he's fixing to straighten them out. And others said, what's that white man doing showing black people up there like that? This is just the boxes that we live in today. But as a Christian, I'm not defined by my box, and I'm a force for good. Oh, put that back on the screen, please. Pray for someone on Tuesday in a public setting, not your wife or kids. You can do that every day anyway. But in a public setting, just look for someone to pray for. And then just take a little bit of courage and say, excuse me, I don't mean to bother, but could I just pray for you? I just feel like God would, would like for me to pray for you today. Could I just have a word of prayer? Is there anything that you need, any troubles you're having? You don't have to put your hand on them. This is not church or anything. You don't have to shake their hand and, and just pray for them. Uh, Worship Wednesday. Now, this is going to be pretty powerful. Next Wednesday night, we're going to encourage everyone to join us downtown, 7 o'clock, right there at the, uh, at the downtown post office. Uh, share your testimony Thursday. That's a biggie. Really get out of your box. Tell somebody how Jesus has changed your life. Uh, hopefully, you do it face-to-face, but at a minimum, do it on Facebook. Uh, do something good on Friday. Pick up the, the, some trash by, on your street. M- mow the neighbor's yard. Help a widow or a single mom. Do something. You know, I, I'm, I'm certainly not a plumber, but, but my, my, my toilet was leaking a little bit, you know, and I was thinking, Ew. all it took was just a rag to go out and just take the, the little plunger thing, not the plunger, but the little bulb and just clean it up and put it back home. Well, I guarantee you there's a bunch of people that don't know how to do that. Just be kind to somebody. And what it just might do is it might turn you into a force for good in our city, our culture, and our community. Come on, somebody give the Lord a a, a big praise. And let me tell you, being good is not hard. My wife and I and our staff, we we do a staff lunch once a month. and, And my wife and I, she got there a little late and I was waiting by myself. 
And there was a, a black woman that, that, that was coming to the door, and she was pretty far away. But I just waited for her till she got to the door, and I opened the door, and I said, God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Now, I don't know that I'd have done that all the time because, like I said, she was pretty far away. But because of the present crisis, I want to go out of my way. Come on now to be kind to people, and it's not hard. You see, when we're a force for good and we're peacemakers, Jesus said this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. How many want to be a peacemaker? Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give the Lord a, a good hand today. Here's another one I think is vitally important. Respect civil authority and teach our kids to do the same. By civil authority, I mean... I mean elected officials, I mean the police, those that, are, those that enforce the laws of our nation. Now, Romans chapter 13, it's the longest passage in the New Testament about how to relate to our government, uh, but it's written by Paul, and think about this now, he's writing to people in Rome, Rome was the center of the Roman Empire, it's where Caesar lived, the Christians were a minority religion, and they're, they're, they're overseen by what amounts to a dictator. Caesar is, Caesar is worshipped as God. Uh, that's why they didn't want Christians to say Jesus is Lord, because Caesar was Lord. You could not have civil disobedience in their day, uh, or you'd be put down or killed by the Roman authorities. When, when the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70, it was because the Romans came to crush a Jewish revolt. So it's different. This scripture was not written to us today, but, but in some ways it should be amplified because we live in a democratic and a free society. But listen to what he said. He said, everyone must submit to governing authorities. Everyone now. And mind you, he's, and, and this, how many would like to take some scissors sometimes and cut portions of your Bible out? Turn the other cheek. Come on, how many like that? Yeah. Well, here's one too. Those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, wait a minute. This passage is saying what it says, but it's not saying all authorities are good or God approves of what they do. But what it's saying is authority, whether it's authority in the home, parental authority, authority in the church, spiritual authority, or civil authority, are all ordained by God and are precursors to God's ultimate authority. So people are placed in authority by God. Anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God instituted, and they will be... So would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Who wouldn't? Then do what's right. If you don't want to get a speeding ticket, and they'll honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, you should be afraid because they've got the power to punish you. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Because your submission even to an unjust authority is done not because you're afraid of them, not because they're right, but because God teaches us to do so. How many husbands would say, I don't always feel like loving my wife. Don't raise your hand if she's here. But you love your wife because it's a biblical command. How many ladies always feel like submitting to your husband? Come on, girls. Just thrilled with joy? But why would you do it? Because that preacher said so. Why do you think? No. Because it's in your Bible. 
I'm preaching a little better than some of you are amening this morning. You still got a little. Government through law enforcement is God's way of maintaining the public good. And that's why the motto of most police departments is to protect and serve. And I wonder if we could just do something right in the middle of the service today. If you're in active duty law enforcement today, if you're a policeman, if you're, you know, FBI, if you're marshal, if you're, if you're in, in our penal system, if you're, but if you're in law enforcement, I want you to stand up right now. We'd like to say thank you. Come on, don't be, don't be ashamed. Stand up. We want to say thank you right now. Come on, stand up all over, all over the building. Come on, God bless these men. God bless them. Now, now, hang on just a second. Don't sit down. We want to give you something. Have a stake on us. But we just want to give you something here and say thank you for what you're doing. Yes. want to give a special shout-out. Thank you for Sheriff Prince there, our Sheriff Bowie County there in the back. We appreciate the work you do. And uh, he offers no get-out-of-jail-free passes. If he catches a church rock on member speeding, it's double the, it's double the, uh, the normal fine. Now, I was taught to respect authority as a kid. You know, I was taught to say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. I think that's a good thing today, but it doesn't happen oftentimes. I was taught to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, to an officer, not because I liked what they were doing, come on, but because they were placed there by God, because of this verse. This is not traditional America showing respect for law enforcement. This is biblical. And I want to tell you, parents, you're influencing your kids. i got a couple more pictures to show you. And ask yourself, what kind of influence do I offer? Now, this little boy is standing by a police car, and you, you can't see his hand because it's blanked out. Do you know why? Because he's waving his middle finger at the policeman. Some person in parental authority or in that role taught that child to look at that policeman and wave their middle finger at it. Look at the next one. Two police officers having lunch. You see mom in the background there with a smile on her face in the booth. See that little girl? She's holding both the policeman's hand. That's a little bit different than the home that the child was raised in with his finger pointed upward. But, but what do we do if the justice system or law enforcement is corrupt? What do we do if justice is denied as a Christian? Mind you now, the words of Paul were written about an oppressive Roman dictatorship. They had temple prostitutes. They worshipped idols. It was antithetical to virtually everything Christian. But what do we do? Now, in America, protests are common. Uh, you know, our First Amendment guarantees us the right to tell our government we think what you're doing is wrong. Our First Amendment, in case you didn't know it, the one that guarantees freedom of religion, freedom of speech, says Congress shall make no law respecting the right of the people, say it with me, to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. We, what you find, though the First Amendment gives us this, 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 this right, violence can never be biblically justified. Let me say it again. Violence can never be biblically justified. To do that is like the modern, the Pharisees of Jesus' day when they said, it's okay to hate your enemies. In my opinion, it's, it's in the same class as when the Ku Klux Klan guy would go out on Saturday and go to church on Sunday morning. Using violence, come on now, is not Christian. We live in a constitutional republic governed by laws. We may not like them, 
But our redress for injustice is through elected officials and ultimately God. There are only two cases of civil disobedience in the New Testament and neither included violence. Both happened when Jewish leaders told the apostles to stop preaching Christ. It was not because they said, you know, your box is not the right box, Mr. Officer or, 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 or Mr. Mayor. No, it was because they told them to stop preaching Christ. It was an extreme circumstance. Violence can never be justified because I don't like the way that I'm treated because I'm whatever. Fill in the blank. Paul called for submission to secular government of Rome, a government that violated virtually everything that they stood for. But it's significant, friends, that several hundred years after Paul wrote this, the Roman Emperor Constantine Christianized the Roman Empire. With his magic wand, he became a Christian. Listen now, he followed Nero, who was in the early church Christian era, Nero was the emperor, and he would dip Christians in tar, and he would light them on fire to be torches in his garden. And the Roman Empire went from that to Constantine saying, this is a Christian empire, and we will worship Jesus Christ. Now, you can't any more force people to be a Christian or worship then than you can now. That's not what we're talking about. But the point is, Christianity had it permeated the whole culture. And rather than, listen, I don't know about you, but when I came to Christ, I, I started acting differently. Listen, I quit cussing. Getting drunk, drugs, come on now. I quit. I started treating women with respect rather than objects of affection. Say, so why, why, why the change? You didn't want to have fun anymore? No, serving God and loving God was more important for me than my sin. And just because everybody in my box did wrong and everybody you know may have their gun loaded, come on now, to take a shot at somebody, you don't have to. You see, we're Christians and we're different. Let me give you another one. And again, all these notes are always on the Internet. You can actually download them before church because if I give you an opinion... You have every right to disagree. Like I said, send me an email. You know, send it to uh, nick.birmingham at churchontherock.org. But, but if I give you a Bible verse, you got to do something with that. Let me give you a fourth one. Hatred, uh, we all need to reject hatred and revenge as a solution. Romans 12, it says never. Everybody say never. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. And then he says this, Dear friends, never take revenge. Now, I know some of your favorite movies and mine on TV involve, <laughs> involve getting even. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of there. <laughs> never take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink and, and you'll heap burning coals of shame on their head. Well, what does that mean? Not that you're going to singe their hair off, but your goodness becomes a way for God to convict them of their hatred, their violence, their wickedness. Then he says this amazing phrase, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Come on, give the Lord another good hand. When we let hatred control us and are motivated by revenge, evil wins. Proverbs says, hatred starts fights, but love forgives all wrong. And can I tell you, that includes Facebook too. 
I'm telling you what, Facebook is a battleground sometimes. We would say things on Facebook that we would never say to a person's face. Can I tell you, we should adopt Christian, uh, Proverbs 15.1. Then it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Lest we forget, we want to be peacemakers. I, I, sometimes I just want to give people the facts. How about you? I'm reading along and stuff, and I'm saying, man, if they just knew the facts, let me just straighten them out. If they knew the FBI statistics that said whatever, uh, that said, uh, and this is a true story, a report's been done, uh, a scientific report recently that showed that white police officers are more likely to shoot other whites or other races than blacks. They're, they're, less, they're, they're, they're slower to pull the trigger. Now, that, that gets lost in the current, you know, conversation we're having today and sometimes I just want to throw out a fact like that but listen when people are hurting when it's deep in our emotions and deep in our soul it's not a fact that's going to help us it's somehow bringing a little love across the scene and showing that I care about you come on see we're all different we all have a history with racial issues in America I'm 59 I was raised in Mississippi I, I was in the eighth grade when the schools were forcefully integrated. I, I was raised on a farm in the country. I, I didn't have f friends in town. You didn't just run to town. Uh, we, were, we, were, we, were, we weren't poor, but we certainly were not wealthy. I mean, you know, it, it, we lived in an old farmhouse, but my dad and granddaddy had sharecroppers that lived on the farm. I can remember, listen, I can remember going to the field and them hoeing cotton, but I can never remember my daddy or granddaddy hating people. I never remember my daddy or granddaddy in a white hood. My best friend, one of my friends was named John Bell. He was probably as old as Moses. John Bell lived in a one-room little shack, and he used the funny paper as wallpaper. He didn't have indoor plumbing. He didn't have water that ran in his house. But I wasn't taught to hate him. It was a time we were raised in. But you know what? Even understanding that to a degree... I can still never fully identify with an African-American person because I'm white. But guess what? A black person can't fully identify with me. And I can't fully identify with, come on, fill in the blank. But what I can't, I don't have to fully identify with you to love you. And the whole idea where the world is pushing us, microaggressions, white privilege, Secular solutions won't work, but you can never argue with the love of God. When I treat you good, no matter what you've done to me, Christ's love is shining through and hearts can melt. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Listen, let me wrap this up. Before I go on a rampage for justice, and I am in no way saying justice shouldn't be pursued, but what I am saying is there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's a biblical way and an unbiblical way. And if I'm out for justice, I need to let God's light shine in my heart first. Because if I'm motivated by hatred or revenge, either on a racial issue or before I fire someone or before I break up with my girlfriend or blah, 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 blah. If I have hatred in my heart before I go to that person, I need to ask God to forgive me. Because I'm being compelled by sin. And whether I can see it or know it or not, Satan's trying to manipulate me. I need to forgive the person who wronged me. I don't need to forgive them with some brass knuckles. Come on, I don't need to forgive them with a knife. I, I don't have to get even to forgive. I want forgiveness that comes from Christ just like I'm expected to give forgiveness. 
If I've got that in my heart, I need to turn that offense over to God. I need to ask God to help heal me from the hurts that have been done to me. Come on, friends. Otherwise, I'm just out there spewing the venom, come on, and stirring strife rather than establishing the love of God. Come on, he's worthy of our praise. Let let me wrap this up, and I want to close with this. I I think our church is an example of, of racial harmony in our community. If you look around you today, you see people that are different from you. And it's different by design. Uh, There's a Facebook post I want to let you read. Uh, I saw this last Sunday. But uh, JP, one of our church members, uh, he's married to a a Filipino girl. He said at Church on the Rock in Texarkana, uh, they teach what Jesus taught. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the children at this church don't, don't care about race. But everyone in America needs the love of Jesus. Share if you agree. You got a little Hispanic girl with a big smile. You got a little half Filipino boy, and and and, and you got a little African American boy. That makes a statement, just like what you saw in some of the videos that I showed you today. Uh, but what it does is it's built on John 13. Jesus said, "Your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples." One of the values at our church, and I'll close with this. It's in that little inside look, God. But it said the church should be racially and culturally diverse. Well, now that sounds good, but can I tell you, it's not always easy to live out. It's a good chance someone in this church will make you uncomfortable. They make me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's, you know, it's natural to hang out with people just like us. But what if you're, you know, kind of in that middle part of life and, 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 and you got some kids and you're just struggling and, and the car works about three quarters of the time and you pull up in the parking lot and there's, there's an older person with a really nice car and to make matters worse, uh, they didn't offer you anything when you got out of the car and to make matters worse, th- th- their skin color is different from you and you're sitting there thinking, when were they got all that money? Or you come to church and you get here and you're down the road, you've kind of got your little special place and nobody's close to you, and a homeless person sits on the same row. I didn't come to church. People that stink don't take a shower. We're so proud of our children's ministry team. Linnell took, uh, Linnell, Bethany and... And all her gang that, that took, a, I don't know, 40, 50 kids to camp. And about two weeks before, my wife walks in the house, and she's got these two big black garbage bags full of clothes. And I said, what are you doing? She said, well, we're washing clothes. And I said, why? She said, well, a couple of the kids, uh, uh, their family's really struggling, and, and they have lice, and they won't let you go to camp. And it's extremely humiliating for a child to drive all the way to camp and then to check you, and you say you can't. She said, so there's two families, they have kids, and we've been helping them. And uh, not only are we helping them with this, so every time they go up there, they're checking somebody else's kids. It's like, I didn't even like changing my diapers. I don't want to change your kids' diapers. You understand what I'm talking about? But, but they're checking these kids, and they're washing their clothes, and they're going and spending money and buying all that stuff. And I'm thinking, what am I complaining about? And it was seven little kids. And some of them, you had to pack enough clothes for the whole week. Some of them didn't even have clothes for two days. So they bought them clothes. Come on. 
not because she was a white person, but because she was a person. And if I told you the race of the kids, you'd be shocked. Doesn't matter. People care for people. It's a price to pay, though, in a church where people are a little different from you. Hey, it's a price for your kids to pray. Okay? It's a price for me to pay, you know. But in Matthew 25, when we get to heaven, hopefully we're going to be there, Jesus is looking around when he separates people, sheep from goats. You read it. He said, when I was naked, you clothed me. Sick, you fed, or came to see me. In prison, you came to visit me. Hungry, you gave me food. Thirsty, you gave me drink. Whatever you did to the least of these, you, get, you did to me. The most segregated hour in America is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Most of my life, I spend with people like me. i got to be honest. My best friends share my hobbies in life. We duck hunt, we turkey hunt, we do things like that. But when I come to church on the weekend, when I'm living my life as a Christian, I want to be a part of a church that loves people that are different from me. I want my kids to see what it means to love other people rather than have the prejudices of the world that they're around all the time. And that, friends, what I think Jesus wants the church to be. And that's what we're trying to be at Church on the Rock. And I'm honored to be your pastor and that I'm honored that you're here supporting us. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? And next couple minutes before we're going we're to go, but this could be the most important couple moments of the service because I ask you the question now, what are you going to do with what you've heard? It would have been way easier for me to just talk about something that makes us feel good or talk about the end times. We'll probably do that next week. But we're in a world that's in trouble. And I have some of the same issues in the boxes that I bring to the table. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the solution in America. I don't want to just hide in my house. I don't want to just tell jokes about people. I don't want to just make fun of people. I don't want to just post on Facebook. I want my life to make a difference in the world. Could we just reach out to heaven now and say, Lord, help me be a force for good? Come on, pray for yourself right now. Say, Lord, help me to be a force for good. Help me to be someone that brings healing in our nation. Help our nation, Lord. Turn our nation back to God. Forgive us, Lord, for what we've done wrong. Forgive me for what I've done wrong. And help me live in a way that's pleasing to you. Help me, Lord Jesus, today. I want you to do what I cannot do for you and give God the right to change your heart. I was brought up saying the N-word, but I don't say it anymore because God changed my heart. Could we just say, Lord, change my heart. Make me like you want me to be. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. We want to close with one last song, and I want to make an opportunity for prayer because I know whenever we open the Bible about issues that are very edgy for us, it opens things, it opens wounds. Maybe you're here today, and maybe, maybe you've been hurt by the racial sting. Maybe you've been overlooked, or whatever the case is. Maybe you've just kind of lived in it, and you just, it's hard to get out. Come let us pray for you. It could be that the Holy Spirit is involved in this, that He wants to heal your broken heart. Maybe, Lord Jesus, I just want to pray that your presence would fill this room. Let your presence fill this altar. Come with healing, Lord, on your wings. 
help us be what we don't think we can be because some of us would have to go back to our family or peer group and quit laughing at the jokes. We need some help. Most important prayer we'd like to pray in this closing minute is if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to get my life right with God. I don't know today if I'd go to heaven or hell, but I want to be sure. I, I, I'm not following Christ. I need God's forgiveness for my sins. The way I've been living my life's not working, and I want to get right with God today. Listen, if that's you, Jesus wants to give you a brand new life. Not a perfect life, free from problems, but he wants to give you a life where you know that God's a part of your life. That you don't have to live with the shame and condemnation of your past. He wants to give you a brand new start. I gave my life to Christ August 15, 1976. I was raised in church, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you surrender to Christ. And if you feel this drawing right now, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Christ. And I'm encourage you when they begin to sing, slip out of your chair and meet someone at the cross. They want to pray for you as you commit your life to Christ. But whatever it is, we're going to begin to sing. Our prayer team is coming to the front. They're here for you if you need to talk or pray with someone. And most importantly, if you need a commitment to Christ, come meet us at the cross today. I love you. Thank you for being here today. opportunity to agree with you but if that's not you we just want to remind you about prayer tonight uh, for bless our city week uh, it starts tonight at six o'clock we encourage you to come we pray that you have a blessed week amen